Hey everyone, welcome to the Crossroads Podcast from All Baptist Church. I'm Travis, here with Ethan Jago to discuss and answer difficult questions that young adults face concerning the Christian life. Ethan, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, and I think we've got a, a kind of a break from what our normal podcast is where we're answering the questions to now. We're going to have a discussion. Yay! And I think this discussion <laughs> is going to be right up your alley because we're going to be talking about... Uh, Online church, online ministry, uh, and I think a good title for this is Navigating the New Digital Landscape in Ministry. Sweet. And now you've been here at Ala for... Six years. Six years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And at this time, what, what has been your primary role here? Uh, it has varied um, several different positions from communication manager to... I started out as a graphic designer, but communication manager and now director of marketing. Okay. So everything that you've done has been within the digital world of all of Baptist, yep. right? For the most part. Yep. Okay. So let's fast forward now to COVID. Um, COVID was when I first came on here mm -hmm. uh, as a intern here. And we made that shift from, we were just doing only Facebook live, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, well, no, actually. So at the time we started COVID, uh, we were not even doing Facebook live at that point. No, I think. Before, no, because I no, was... No, no, because we were. We yeah, were. You're right. Yeah, you're it right. was Facebook Live. You're right. That then, was only in the last, like, six months we started doing that, but now we're back to Facebook Live. Yeah, but then we moved to the digital church, online digital church, yes. which uh, has the chat rooms and everything else. Yep. Um, but, so here's the question. Uh, I think that a lot of people are asking, uh, or not even asking, I think as a whole they're just wondering. Um, I was at a breakout uh, session uh, up at the conference up in Nashville Lifeway was putting on. Mm -hmm. And the breakout session that I led was basically what we're talking about. And as I was up there, uh, a couple of the ministers and collegiate ministry leaders, uh, I had a few people ask, like, well, we get pushback from our church that we should not be online. Um, they don't like it as online. Uh, they, they feel that it is a somehow a threat to the physical building of the church. So here's my question for you is, can or should we be doing online church? Yes. Why? And I say that with a grain of what is the purpose, I guess, behind you doing online church? So if you're doing it as a replacement for church, then no, because it's not that. Yeah. It is definitely not a replacement for the physical church building. Uh, it is not a replacement for being tied into uh, small groups. Uh, connection groups, Sunday school, uh, people who can help you grow. Um, it's not a replacement for um, accountability groups or discipleship groups at all. Um, what it is, though, definitely is taking advantage of a digital space to promote the gospel. Yeah, I agree. And here's some a statistic I have for us, too, about problems that we see as a result of online church, but then also some positives that can come out of this as well. Mm -hmm. So one in three practicing Christians is still and only attending their pre-COVID church. So what does that mean? Well, recent data shows that among practicing Christians, those who identify as Christians agree strongly that faith is very important in their lives and attend church at least monthly prior to COVID. Now, here we go. Over half, 53%, say that they streamed their regular church online within the past four weeks. Another 34% admits to streaming a different church service online rather than their own. Essentially, we see a church hopping happening digitally. So, one in three 
is still attending the same church that they were prior to. Mm-hmm. I would say a good category of that too is those other three who are not either have a left the church altogether and don't do anything online anymore or physical, yep. or b they may have found an out a natural out to go and attend another church. Yep. But I think we see a stark contrast though that the church was before COVID even was suffering a I don't want to say suffering but at least having a a flux in a decrease yes. uh, of attendees and for instance Christianity Today put out an article in June of 2020 that states within the Southern Baptist Convention 2% of the membership has dropped yeah all right this is the largest drop in more than a century that's over 288,000 people that have left and then baptisms have dropped 4% which is the lowest number that has ever dropped since World War II so why did that happen? How has that happened? Well, I think what we've seen is with COVID is like this slow decline, right? With postmodernism and relativism and everything else that's happening in our culture. And then now COVID happens. It's the perfect excuse to not go to church. Oh, yeah. Or it's the perfect excuse to just be like, oh, I'll just watch online. But like you said, we need to physically go into church. We should not be neglecting to meet together. Now, here's where I want to make this transition why should let's make a case why should the church be online so we we've kind of talked about the negatives because it could lead to complacency uh you're not getting involved in the community i mean i think we could go on and on about uh the negatives of potentially having an online church but i think they're all caveated with specific parameters if you will Mm -hmm. but let's talk about the positives of online church so sure, I think to do that, I think you have to look at the mission of the church in general because the mission of the church is to reach the lost with the gospel, to to multiply believers. Um, and when you look at online church as a place where you can multiply your message and your reach farther than anything you could do with a physical space, uh, then in that case, like it, it doesn't just become a thing that you know you should do if you can. It almost becomes a necessity where you're like, okay, you 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 have to do this. This is the this is the world that people live in. This is the ecosystem of, of our world right now. And uh, you have to be there. You know, a lot of times I've, I've compared um, social media that way. Like mm. social media is the is the new place where intellectuals gather, just like, you know, Paul went to in the book of Acts. It's the place where the intellectuals gather together and discuss religion and philosophy and everything else. Like, just like Paul went to the, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the Marshall. Yeah, Mars Hill. Yep. Uh, just like Paul went there, that is what social media is today. So if, if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, I don't get involved with social media, I don't, I don't do any of this stuff, um, that, is a, that is a place where people gather to discuss language and religion. And, yes, the church should be there, and the church can be there through having an online service. So you actually brought this conversation exactly where I was hoping it was going to go. And for those listening, he and I, I spurred this on him right before we sat down. You said, did. Hey, Travis, <laughs> we're, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to have a discussion. So in Acts chapter 17 is where, uh, where uh, Travis is referencing is where Paul is arriving now at Mars Hill. Uh, and he goes into the marketplace mm-hmm. and he goes there and he is talking with the philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics of that time, uh, engaging with them in their arena. So the way that I like to view this is the marketplace was at that time within the cultural context of where he was, that marketplace was in the city, was mm-hmm. in the city, in the marketplace. Our marketplace right now, where most people spend a majority of their time, is on the internet, is yeah. online. Uh, 
and now I have some interesting statistics here, specifically for Generation Z. 98% of Gen Z owns a smartphone, right? So let's think about it. 98% owns a smartphone. 55% of Gen Z use their smartphones for more than, how many hours daily do you think? 55% use their smartphones for more than blank hours a day. How many do you think? Take a whack. I'm say 18. Wow, that's hot. You 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 went way higher than I was. No. 55, I'm thinking about myself in that, in that <laughs> thing, too. <laughs> 55% of Gen Z use their phone for five hours or more daily. Huh. Now, only maybe a quarter of that, 26%, are glued to their devices for over 10 hours a day. So there's that other category of what you're yeah. talking about. So Paul engaged the individuals in Acts chapter 17 in the marketplace. Now, here's what's interesting. In that context of Acts chapter 17, and we look at verse 16 and 17, everything else like that, he doesn't pick and choose who he targets. No. He goes there and engages with whoever will listen to him. Yeah. So the church should be doing that too. We should be putting out our content. We should be putting out messages. And we should be putting out resources and materials for the outside world looking in. Yes. I mean, what better time for people to see what the church is about than to use your online presence. And we're not just talking only um, like an online preaching church, right? Uh, which is fin- probably the primary ways, but I also think the church's social media and even within the ministry context of whatever ministry you're running to, uh, whether it's a parachurch ministry or everything else, you can use that for the good. Yeah. Right? So, And I think there, I think Acts 17 is a, a really good template for I think how a church should approach social media as well, because Paul doesn't go in there looking for a fight. He doesn't go in there no. looking for, um, you know, looking to throw things in people's faces or anything like that. He goes in literally preaching the gospel, sharing content, and then responding to engagement yes, from that. Dude, you you brought up a perfect point. Yeah, uh, he he knew his audience. Yeah, and he he talked to them from a. a a level of respect, a mutual understanding. He built rapport with them. Uh, and the only way we know that he did that is in Acts 17, 22 through 24. Uh, he talks about their assertions in 17, 18, where it's like, you guys have this altar of a God that you don't know, but guess what? I'm here to talk to you about that. The same way in which our, the, the people online are, I mean, think about it, dude. Like most people get their philosophy from those little witty sayings they see on social media mm-hmm. or Twitter or anything else. So why can't the church be a beacon of light and hope and to ground those beliefs and those understandings of philosophical in the philosophical realm in Scripture? Yeah. You know, I, I just think it's important for the church to be using their online platform and their online ministry to be reaching. Because when we were doing this, I don't know if you remember, but I was doing the analytics for at the end of every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I had to go through. And one thing that I was shocked about was the, the reach Oh yeah, that olive. I mean, we're a we're a good sized church, but we're in Pensacola. Yes. Like if I traveled to, I don't know, New York, I'm not gonna. And I say, hey, you know, I, I go to Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola. No one's gonna know what that is. Yeah. You know, but now we see this. It, it expanded all across the globe, mm-hmm. not just in Florida or Texas oh, yeah, no. or anywhere else, but. We had people watching from France. We had people watching from Indonesia, Rome. Yeah, uh, I mean, all over yeah. the place. Yeah. So Romania. is that bad or is that good? I think it's fantastic as long as it's not being used as a replacement for the church. Uh, and even 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 in our our culture right now, like, and you know this, like when we talk about a regular church attendee, 
we talk about someone who attends twice a month. <laughs> like that is the definition right now of what a regular church attendee is, is it someone who t- attends every other week. And if they didn't have online church, they probably wouldn't even watch church the other two Sundays of a month. Yeah. But the fact is it's in their home. It's easily accessible, and they can spend time with their family there doing that so that they can be there almost every Sunday. Maybe not in the physical space, mm. but that takes you know what we see culture's trend as a regular attendee is somebody who attends twice a month and gives them access to the church when they're not there. Yeah. And it also opens the door and makes it more accessible for people who would never step foot in church. Yeah. That's the big thing is, you know, you have people who are atheists and they're they're educated as atheists, and they are very not likely to come set foot into a church building to go listen to a service. But they will go online and watch a church service if they're curious. Well, I think, too, I think you struck a good chord here is a lot of our people here at Olive, we have a... a, a pretty good military presence mm-hmm. uh, and they they get the community and the discipleship here and then they move on and they may be in an area overseas or somewhere where there isn't a good church that they can find yeah or uh, within the denomination or anything else so they can still maintain some kind of a connection to our church here our mm-hmm. local church and again again not replacing the church they still need no. to find a physical church but I know when I was on deployment uh, you know, the chaplain would host his Sunday morning uh, service, but I would be doing night ops, so I couldn't go. Yeah. So being able to watch or listen online was a great option to have. And, and so I see that being in a positive way. But then also, like we're saying, just the, the scope and the scale. So many people today are, well, what about the that people group who doesn't hear the gospel? Yeah. What What about those people? You know. Yes, we need to be out there physically sharing the gospel in person. However, w- man, the way that technology has evolved and the ability, there's a there's a company that a friend of mine worked for called <clears throat> Davar Partners, and it was, mm-hmm. have you heard of them? Uh, they sound really familiar, like I, I should it's have It's a smaller them. company, and it's the Bible on the small MP3 players, and they would go drop yes. it off into these remote locations within that language because it's... It's one thing to have the Bible translated, physically written into mm-hmm. a language. That's a huge undertaking. Yes. Like, well, that's what Wycliffe is doing and a bunch of other organizations. It's a whole other thing if you can find someone who can speak that language to just read it. Mm-hmm. And there's power in the words. And so, like, that's a phenomenal online platform. Plus the amount of people, too, we had in remote portions of Africa write in saying, hey, I'm from such and such place. We've been watching and streaming all of online in our location, and we've actually started our own small church gathering, Mm -hmm. which my hope and prayer is is as they are gathering together, watching us online, that eventually God will bring up a man in that congregation where they no longer have to watch us anymore. To lead that church. They can preach and they can lead that church, and if they want to use our worship and time, whatever, you know, they can use that. There's positives, but... I would say there's a trap, though, that we as churches and online ministries can fall into, and that is that we lower the gospel to meet the audience instead of elevating the audience to meet the content of the gospel. And what do I mean by that? Is that it's easy for us to like, well, we don't want to offend anybody, and Mm -hmm. so we're going to kind of be using like double talk here, if you will, because we don't want to, that may be too harsh. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the gospel, it is harsh because it points sin out in your life. And so I think that's definitely a trap that uh, we, we can definitely fall into. But we've got to be strategic in how we use it, and we've got to be deliberate 
and what it is that we do use our online church platform. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got uh, a statement that someone said to me at this breakout session. I want you to respond to this. Ooh, okay. So this young woman rose her hand and she said, hey, what would you say to people within my church? She said, we went online uh, and they're doing it Facebook Live or whatever, but they have a huge, and they're in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, okay? No, mm-hmm. get ready. They're in Oklahoma, but they have a majority of their online viewers are in the Philippines. Is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? You are taking the gospel to a group of people and making it more accessible to them. You'd have to tell me how that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, well, she was having a difficult time explaining to the, these individuals in the church that, well, they don't, this is for our people. Why are we uh, doing it? And I told her, I go, Man, the gospel isn't exclusive to just your area in Oklahoma. Yeah. If God is using your platform to reach the people in the Philippines or wherever it is that they're at, that is awesome. If you're upset that you're reaching more people with the gospel, I would I'd take a stab in the dark that you're in the wrong industry. <laughs> you're in the wrong uh you, you probably shouldn't be pastoring a church at that point. Like yeah. I, I would, I would, I, I don't would take think it the was the pastors there. of the church. It was like attendees. Even attendees, I'd be like, you probably shouldn't be here. Mm. Like this probably isn't for you. Yeah, if you don't have a the heart for the Great Commission, and you don't see the kingdom effects that this is having, uh, I would say if if some of, if some of you are listening and you are from another church and you're having pushbacks, I think you need to have an open discussion with these individuals about the importance of the online presence that your church has because each church is unique in that they reach a different type of demographic based off of where you're situated geographically uh the method the mode and the style of the preaching and the worship has a lot to do with it too uh and so like you can't apply the context of every church in every different region of america and it land right yeah you know i mean okay you're at a small church in oklahoma your online service is reaching a bunch of people in the philippines that's missions like thank you yeah the church is missional i would literally i i feel very taken taken back by the fact that there would be somebody upset about that like i that blows my mind like uh (laughs) man it's tough but the thing is though is you know i i think you know if, if i can play the advocate of that individual and what they said about why they don't like it is is the church compromising and adapting to the cultural shift and the change I think is probably where they're coming from like online why does the church have to go online church was always men if you look back in Acts 2 is supposed to be in a physical gathering space yeah so with that being said I don't like that we're online I don't think that the church should always respond to every different cultural trend in technology or anything else as we advance that would be the argument I think that they would try and make I could see that, but there is biblical precedent for taking the church into places where it is not. Mm. Um, very, I mean, the uh, the Acts principle that we just talked about with Mars Hill, that is Paul taking the church into a place where it is not. Uh, any of the first century disciples who, who spread the church beyond the borders of Jerusalem, uh, beyond the borders of, of Israel, um, and went to the Gentiles, they were taking the church into a place where it was not. I think you're right, man. And like Paul Temples wasn't and everything else. Like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I understand that pushback too. 
Yeah, uh, and I don't think the church needs to respond to every cultural issue that pops up. However, as the church, here's my here's here was my pitch when I really started to navigate how do I feel about online church when COVID happened, because I had never really watched. I had listened to sermons on podcasts and stuff like that, but I had never watched an actual live service. Mm-hmm. And so I started praying about it and seeking after, and I started thinking everything that we do right now online. It's there permanently. Yeah. So think about the next generation's generation, generation. With what we saw in World War II, with the Nazis burning all of these specific books and how we've lost certain books that we may not get back or this and that. Think about when Christianity, because we know where we're headed. Mm -hmm. We know the end game here is that uh, things are going to get a whole lot worse before they ever get, before, you know, they all get better. Yeah. Think about the digital echo effects of what it is that we're doing online. Like, yeah, you can suppress a lot of stuff, but I mean, I mean, think about how much stuff we have here on like different hard drives and MP3s and SD cards and everything else. Like, yeah, I mean, and how easy is that to copy and paste and then spread that out? I mean, oh, you yeah. get a thumb drive, you can just put, I mean, I remember back when thumb drives, you were paying a pretty penny for 32 gigabyte, right? And then now you can buy a terabyte hard drive for like 60 bucks. Yeah. And the amount of stuff that you can put. So think about it that way. The digital content that you're producing is going to have a ripple effect for potentially when things get worse. Oh, yeah. In which the Bible may not be able to think about places like China, stuff like that, where you can't physically do some of this stuff. But, hey, maybe I can watch this digitally within the confines of a closed system, you know, this and that. So I see that in, like, generations to come being able to have access to biblical preaching without government control or anything else like that. I mean, maybe I'm just going off the wall here, but Mm -hmm. I see that as like it's that tradition that is just going to be able to continue on forward uh, with technology that we have. Now, I'll say like there are definitely dangers to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can go too far to appealing to the online audience and lose lose the relevance of Scripture, like lose your, your... scriptural relevance in the room uh, with people. You can start catering your messages to an online audience to get more viewers. You can do things like that. And I think at that point when you begin to adapt, at that point you are adapting to the culture. Mm -hmm. The other way, just having your service online, that's just using a, that's using a platform to express the gospel to people. Yeah. Um, The other way is, is definitely you're pandering to a a secular audience. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, for a true regenerate believer, I'm not going to lie, dude, I'm going to want to have physical access to a pastor where if I know that I can call, I'm a member of that body. And we actually did a podcast on church membership. If you remember that, Mm -hmm. about why should we join the importance of being involved in a physical local church? And one of the positives is you have that physical community that can help you out when times get rough, when you need help, when you have a loved one that is in need of prayer, yeah. yeah, online, yeah, we can do that. But then just being able to physically have that pastor there or that individual there to come alongside you and comfort you and help you and vice versa for you to physically come alongside and help them. Yeah, I, I think that is definitely a positive on why you need to be involved in a member of a local physical church. Yeah, I don't like the thought of people being, I'm an online church member and you never go there. No, no one knows who you are. No. You stay in your house. Now, granted, there are people who just physically can't come to church, and I think that's a phenomenal option for them. But at the same time, they should be watching, at least I would hope, 
a church local to them that they can write in and say, hey, I'm in your area. I can't physically attend because of ailments or whatever else, but I would like to join your church. And if that's the case, and we had people have that here at Olive, they're physically here Mm -hmm. during the COVID. They wanted to join our church, and then now they're actually physically joining our church now that we're open again. Yeah, I think that's great. But anything other than that where it's just like, no, I'm an online member of an online church, online community, period, I think that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, thanks, Travis. I think this was a, a good chat uh, for yeah. us to just kind of take a, a, a lighter break from all the other stuff that we talk about and just that was cool. discuss a concept. That was very, very cool. Awesome. And thank you guys so much for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Crossroads is the premier young adult ministry in the city of Pensacola, and you can find out more at olivebaptist.org slash youngadults. You can also DM your questions to the Crossroads Instagram at crossroads at olive. And you can also hop on to Anchor and leave us a voice message if you want to. Uh, We hope to see you there and see you next time for the Crossroads Podcast.